Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard, it's just a love Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I am also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy and Tech Stocks. And my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is also in partnership with Roger Wiegand, uh, who publishes Trader, uh, Trader Tracks, and Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying?, what is Chen selling? Both of those gentlemen will be with me later in the show, Chen, in just a few minutes from now, and Roger at the end of today's show. We do have a special introductory offer that we like to make you aware of. Uh, you can sign up for each of these, uh, each of our letters separately, a uh, separate lower-priced introductory offer just to give you a chance to try uh, our letters to see if they are what you are looking for and what might be helpful to you. Uh, the best website to go to for everything that I do, and as well as my partners, really, you can get there as well, is jtaylormedia. That's J-A-Y-T-A-Y-L-O-R media.com. You can gain the access to this radio show, all three newsletters and uh, various video appearances and uh, television appearances that I do from time to time. I want to thank our sponsors uh, to this show for making this show economically viable. For the first hour, they are Merrick's Gold. Visible Gold Mines, Lucky Strike Resources Limited, American Manganese, RX Gold Inc., and Legend Gold Corp. And I want to thank each of you for listening to this show and making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. Um, well, we have quite a show today. I think it's going to be provocative for many people, probably interesting and fascinating and um, well, I think it's going to be one you're not going to want to miss. And, uh, of course, we always welcome your feedback. We'd like to know what you're thinking about what we're saying on this show. And we, uh, you can always uh, go to questions for Taylor, um, and that's uh, the email that's, that's talked about here on this show in the introduction, um, to let us know what your thoughts are uh, about our show. Well, the older I get, the more I realize that the real reasons wars are fought have little to do with the reasons given for their prosecution. Young men who are sent to foreign lands to die are told it is for such lofty ideas as liberty and justice and democracy. But that seems kind of hard to believe, at least I find it hard to believe, when American policymakers are so quick to get rid of basic liberties like the right to defend yourself when charged with a crime or the right to own property, which the government is constantly not only threatening to take from us, but actually is taking away from us through the tax code and through the most pernicious and deceitful tax of all, namely inflation, and, uh, of course, through the indebtedness that they are now committing us and our grandchildren to for the bailouts of uh, crony capitalist friends in high places. Some would argue that we have the right of free speech, but if you are familiar with the Valerie Plame scandal uh, just prior to the Iraqi war, you know that free speech is, after all, 
quite selective at times. And while we still have some free speech, I think we'd better use it or we are going to lose it for sure. That is exactly, using free speech is exactly what my main guests today are all about. At about 3.30, Vincent Bugliosi will join me for the second time on this show. This time he will discuss a book he wrote uh, in 2008 uh, titled, uh, it's titled The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. Vincent has not only written a book, uh, written a book from which a documentary movie uh, is about to be released, but he is also exploring the reality of actually seeking to prosecute George W. Bush uh, for murder. We will ask him what evidence he has that leads him to think this former president should be tried and why he thinks this is so important now that some eight years have passed uh, since the alleged uh, crimes that he's uh, suggesting Mr. Bush has committed. In his book, Bugliosi makes a very good case that Bush was determined to take us into war whether there were weapons of mass destruction or not. But as far as I know, he doesn't offer any motives for why Mr. Bush would want to do so. My second guest today, Adrian Salbucci, who will be with us at about a quarter of four in New York time, will no doubt have some ideas about the possible motives of Mr. Bush for getting us into war. We will talk to Adrian about that and much, much more on geopolitics and economics uh, that flow from uh, policies and uh, global politics. While this uh, week's show is focused more than usual on geopolitics, we always try to tie in the investment world with such themes. In just a moment, Chen Lin will be with me to treat you to an investment idea or two. Uh, and as I said earlier, Roger Wiegand will be with me at the end of today's show. At about 3.15, Larry Ray of American Manganese will be with me to give us an update on his company's progress at the Artillery Peak uh, Manganese Project in Arizona. And in the second hour of today's show, Martin Dallier, uh, he's the president and CEO of Visible Gold Mines, will be with us to talk about some exciting gold projects, gold exploration projects they have going in one of the most prolific gold-bearing areas of the world, namely Quebec. We will be getting into the meat of our show this week in a few minutes, but before we uh, get to our first commercial break, it's time to try to make money with Chen. Welcome, Chen. Thank you, Jay. Chen, it's really good to have you here. Uh, again, we, uh, we talked in the past a lot, and I talk a lot on this show, uh, about why gold is, and gold mining actually is such a good uh, is really such a good industry to be in. Most of our sponsors are gold mining companies. Um, but you have recently heard someone else, namely Don Cox, talk about gold mining and why he thinks uh, this is a most favored sector. Would you care to share some of Mr. Cox's ideas with our listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, I would like to people to go search on the Internet, say Don Cox uh, conference call. And you can find uh, Don Cox's conference call replay for last Friday. Mm. Okay, check on last Friday, see what he has to say. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. He basically says that gold mining stocks are screaming by right now okay, at, uh, at the current price because gold has been going up. Gold mining has been dragging down by the, those index funds selling, etc. And all the people fear about mining. They don't understand mining. All the funds, they don't understand. They just use some technical, some kind of way to trade to make it extremely undervalued. Mm -hmm. He suggests that his listener to load up gold mining stock. I was very excited because I've been talking about that for weeks. I mean, yes. on this radio show, on my newsletter, this is an unbelievable bargain right now. Yes. Well, I've, I've felt the same way, you know, Chen, and, and my main thing is not the nominal price of gold, but what does an ounce of gold buy? And I've looked at, I, I measure it versus the Rogers Raw Material Fund, and we've seen it grow from an ounce of gold to about 17% in August of 2008. It is, uh, most recently, it was up as high as 48.5%. I'm not sure I didn't check it today. But the point is that the margins are getting better and the gold mining profits are doing well. And I noticed today, on a pretty rough day in the equity market, uh, Newmont was the only stock that hit a new high today, When uh, the only stock on the New York Stock Exchange that hit a new high today. Earnings are very, very good. So it seems to me uh, that, uh, that the stars are aligned, really, for some very good results in the mining in the gold mining sector. But you also uh, uh, follow things other than gold mining. And 
tungsten, uh, you were telling me earlier today, is something you think is looking very bullish right now. Could you explain to our listeners why? Yeah, today, this, to this morning, there's news uh, from China. Actually, if you look at the, all the Western media, they say China stopped producing uh, rare earths. But actually, it's incorrect. Uh, I, I got the news I got is China stopped mining tungsten and rare earths. Okay, tungsten, which is the largest province of a tungsten producing mine that's, uh, that stopped mining tungsten, it's about 40, 50% of the Chinese total production, which is 85% of worldwide production, is going to be shut down for the rest of the year. Hmm. So actually, it's a bigger news for tungsten than rare earths, but all the media only care about rare earths because it's catch eyeballs. People love to talk about the rare earths, so they mm-hmm. just only pick up the the second part. <laughs> they didn't put, pick up the most important part, which is the Tungsten part. But actually, that makes a very, very bullish case for the Tungsten, which price is still at a historical high. Yeah, so that's Tungsten, and um, you know, Tungsten is, is one of those metals, I believe, that's used as an alloy for steel. We've got another one called Manganese, and, and after the break, uh, Larry Ray is going to be with us to talk about his project. What are your thoughts on Manganese, Chen? Yeah, both tungsten and manganese are uh, very important for, uh, like, uh, oil exploration, all these uh, strong steel, and as well as military. So China viewed them as a strategic metal. So uh, not just rare earths, but uh, both on tungsten. We can check with uh, American manganese on manganese side. I think both are uh, viewed by China as the strategic metal, and then they want to reduce production on those. Right. Well, Chen, I hope if you can stick around with us and maybe ask Larry a question or two. We've got one minute left before the break. Could you? Uh, do you have any ideas, any, any companies that you might be tracking or looking at that you might want to tell us about, or is it too early? You're still doing your, your due diligence on, uh, on tungsten projects. Well, tungsten, I have both the Malagan as well as the North American tungsten on my recommendation list. Okay, and what do you, could you tell us what those symbols are for those companies? It's MLG at Toronto, at Malagan, and North American Townsend is NTC Adventure. NTC on the Adventure. And now, uh, so what are these stocks selling at, more or less? Are they expensive? Well, one is about 19 cents, one is about 30 cents. Actually, they haven't done anything because of all the stock market, you know, turmoil. They, they're yeah. They're sitting there. Yeah, how advanced are they, Chen? Are they anywhere near some sort of economic studies, or are they a long ways away yet? They're both producer already. Oh, they're both producers. They're rare. Making, only, yeah. Are, are they making money? Yeah, profitable producer. That's for the Malagan. North American towns, I believe, uh, starting this quarter, they start to be profitable. Okay, well, we're going to have to leave it at that because we do have to take our first break. Uh, but if you can stick with us, uh, Chen, I'd love to have you with me and Larry Ray as we come back after the commercial break. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with uh, Larry Ray and hopefully Chen Lin. Don't go away. business you'll find the experts here voice america business network Merrick's Gold, with over 800 square kilometers of contiguous permits in West Mali, Africa. Merrick's and exploration partner IM Gold have spent $16 million on the advanced stage Surabaya Gold Project in Mali. 40,000 meters of diamond and reverse circulation drilling currently underway to expand Merrick's indicated resource and to determine the true size of the Surabaya Gold deposit. Exploration also continues on the huge gold anomaly at Zone Bambadinka, as well as the major gold system on the Babara and Kofia permits. Rypatch Gold Corp. is an exploration company seeking to build a sizable inventory of gold and silver resource assets in mining-friendly Nevada, the world's fourth richest gold region. This well-funded company now has 1.2 million ounces of gold and gold equivalent in the measured and indicated category, plus 2.7 million ounces of gold and gold equivalent in the inferred category, with ongoing drilling to achieve a goal of 10 million ounces of gold. For more info on RPM, please visit our website at www.rypatchgold.com. 
Legend Gold Corp. is a gold exploration company with flagship projects in Mali, West Africa. With successful drilling programs and new discoveries this year, we are in an excellent position to advance our two gold deposits. Shareholder value is anchored at Chikamala by a 43-101 compliant resource of approximately 600,000 ounces of gold. The recent addition of the Munina project offers the potential for a third gold strike. Legend Gold trades under the symbol LGN on the TSX Venture Exchange. Please go to our website at www. Legendgold.com. Romeo's Gold offers unprecedented opportunities in the final frontier of British Columbia's Golden Triangle, a copper gold rich region with improving infrastructure. Romeo's properties are located in the vicinity of multi billion dollar deposits. With its $6 million plus drilling program underway, Romeo's Gold is focused on developing world class mineral resources in a major upcoming mining district. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard, it's just a love. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. Well, the majority of sponsors we have on this show are companies that explore uh, and or produce gold because we allow the sponsors to come on our show to talk about their companies, uh, tell, tell you all about what they're up to. Most of the company interviews that you do hear here on this show are from gold mining companies. Well, Larry Ray, who is the president and CEO of American Manganese, has definitely had success as a gold mining exploration guy in the past, but now with American Manganese, he is in the process of helping build what appears to be a highly promising producer of a very important metal for the developing world, namely manganese. So I'm really pleased to have Larry with me once again. Welcome, Larry. Well, thank you, Jay. I'm happy to be here. Really good to have you here again. We have a lot of new people joining our show every week. Uh, our numbers are growing. We're very, very gratified by that. But for the sake of those who haven't heard you on this show before, can you talk just a little bit about manganese? What is it used for, and what is the supply and demand situation for that metal? Ninety percent of all manganese produced is used in making steel. There's no substitution uh, in the words of uh, Brian Gilbertson, the president of uh, Pallinghurst, if you don't have manganese, you can't make steel, and if you can't make steel, the world stops. Now, that said and done, uh, 10% of that market is electrolytic manganese metal, and that's the metal that we'll be uh, producing uh, in Arizona, you know, if everything goes through on our feasibility studies. Now, that metal is... Uh, China controls it with 98% of all the world's production of it. Hmm. 98%. And China, though, and Chen was alluding to this, and we've talked about this on the show before, has been cutting back on its production of a lot of these kinds of metals. Is that your understanding now? Oh, yes. The, uh, as a matter of fact, China has shut down a lot of metals. They've come out with a, uh, a lot of the production of electrolytic manganese metal, I should say. Uh, they've come out with a uh, standard that anything that's under 5,000 tons a day, and you've got to remember they have 200 electrolytic manganese metal plants in China, will be totally shut down. They're going to consolidate the business into about 13 producers. And uh, there's been reports, uh, you know, through the steel guru and um, that have come out of Beijing that they expect that they'll lose, uh, actually lose, one-third to half of their production in the next five years. So that's, mm. that's going to put a lot of hurt on the, uh, on the Western world. 
talk to us a little bit about electrolytic manganese. What is it, and what is its significance? And is it a more uh, is it a product that brings a higher price than just the standard industrial manganese? Okay, when you talk about manganese, the most uh, pe- people understand that it's the ore is a high grade, about 45%. Now that ore sells for about 12 to 13 cents a pound. Mm-hmm. If you take uh, ore, and uh, in our case it's a low grade ore, and uh, we make electrolytic manganese metal by electroplating it at the end, and it sells for about $1.60 a pound. If you were to buy it, to purchase it from Beijing uh, with, the, uh, with the export duty that's uh, imposed, which is 20%, you'd be paying $1.70 a pound right now. Mm-hmm. So it's the highest end of, uh, of all the manganese metals. And, uh, you know, our preliminary economic evaluation, it tells us that we'd be the lowest cost producer in the world and uh, certainly uh, less than half the price of what it costs China. And so we're looking at something like what? What would that be? Sixty-five cents or so? Sixty? Well, I expect you will probably be up in the sixty cent range, maybe fifty-five cent range. But the preliminary economic evaluation was around forty-five cents. Mm-hmm. But that said and done, uh, we know the latest quotes of costs in China have been around a dollar thirty a pound. Mm-hmm. So in theory, at least, it should it should give your project. Uh, uh, a good profit margin. Chen, I think you're there. You, you had some comment or question for Larry with respect to something that's going on in China with, with respect to perhaps shutting down some plants, or did you have some, some other question for Larry? Oh, yeah. First, I heard over the weekend that, that Jiangxi province, uh, which is the largest tungsten producer and one of the largest rare earths, I read from the Internet, seems also they have significant manganese production. They basically shut down their mine for the rest of the year for some environmental reason. Yes, and I think, well, that's certainly happening in all the provinces as far as electrolytic manganese metal is concerned. And if we just look back and uh, look at what happened to molybdenum when they started shutting down uh, production in 2005 for environmental reasons again, that uh, at that time they were net exporters of molybdenum, and now they're net importers. As a matter of fact, there's no exports of uh, molybdenum in uh, China anymore. Then recently, rare earths, where they put quotas on them. So I can see that coming for electrolytic manganese metal, too. Larry, I noticed that you had, um, uh, that you had filed for a patent, pat- patent protection on some... Uh, some metallurgical process. Would you care to tell our listeners about that and, and why that's significant? Okay, this is a uh, this actually the uh, process was the, uh, for pro- processing the ore at Artillery Peak in Arizona was developed by the U.S. Bureau of Mines and it operated a mine called the Three Kids using this process back in the 1940s. Hmm. But they never had a, uh, you know, it had to be calcined. It was a high-cost producer. And uh, what we have done with uh, the Kometco research is that we have developed other streams that uh, once you've leached the uh, ore out, because it comes out rapidly, in a couple of hours uh, you can leach out 90 to 95% of all the uh, metal. Hmm. But it's a treatment after that that, uh, you know, to get rid of uh, some of the things like the dithionate, you had to crystallize it or calcine it to heat it to 400 degrees plus. Mm. That's very expensive and uh, mm. energy inefficient. So basically, Cometco has used uh, chemicals and uh, a chilling aspect, which gives us uh, a clean product at the end of the day. As a matter of fact, we'll have a dry tailings that we can re- reclaim back to the pits as we're mining. So that process is patented to protect the uh, company. We spend a lot of money and effort to develop it. As a matter of fact, we are running pilot plant tests on it now, and uh, we expect that we'll have results from those within four to six weeks. Um, a, uh, you know, we've gone through, uh, worked out most of the bugs, uh, which are mechanical, in uh, developing uh, the pilot plant. And uh, we'll be on continuous uh, processing sometime this week. And that'll give us a good idea of, uh, you know, it all works uh, on bench scale and, and segments. You know, you can, you can run it all through uh, in kind of like a batch. 
and uh, but on a continuous basis it's never been tested so this is going to give us a continuous base test that we need and that patent if anybody has ores that uh, four valent ore like we do that would be uh, you could use a, a sulfurous acid on will end up uh, having to pay us some, some sort of a royalty so that patent is important Oh, and uh, to the extent that it's used in your process, I guess that will be uh, at Artillery Peak, that will be factored into the feasibility study, I would imagine. And is there a feasibility study going forward now, Larry? Well, there's a pre-feasibility being done by Wardrop, <coughs> and uh, that pilot plant will be, you know, it's made to scale, so it'll be scaled up to give them the ultimate plant design and size. And that pre-feasibility, we're pretty much nailed down what our costs are going to be and what our profitability should be. And uh, we're also going through with Tetratech, which, is, uh, uh, which owns Wardrop. Uh, they're one of the largest engineering firms in the world with our environmental studies. So we're moving this project ahead with uh, Cometco doing all the pilot plant work. And, uh, you know, we actually we just completed a big drill program, Jay, that... Uh, We'll have a new resource study coming out. I don't expect that. Uh, I expect that the increase in resources overall will not be as great as the last time, but certainly the uh, type of ore or the, uh, uh, the indicated will go way up. That's the way I'm looking at it, and uh, you know, we're real happy with the progress. Well, you know, Chen and I are always very concerned about uh, dilution. Anybody that invests in companies that don't have cash flow and have to rely on going back to the market on a regular basis are concerned about dilution. Certainly, if the economics holds up like you're talking about on the operating side, you should be doing very, very well. But one of the things, uh, do you have some sense at this stage what your CapEx might be and how will you finance that to minimize dilution? Okay, the, uh, because of the robustness of the project, you know, being the lowest cost producer, we're probably not, uh, we're not that susceptible to a drop in uh, the price of BMM. There'd be all the Chinese production would shut down before we did. So that would, uh, you know, give us a chance to actually go into a debt instrument. So I'm looking at a combination of, uh, of uh, some, certainly some, uh, 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 shares will be issued, and the rest will be debt. So I'm looking probably at a 70 to 80 percent debt as to uh, 20 percent, uh, 20 to 30 percent uh, share issuance. Cost-wise, we were close to 100 million dollars on the uh, two and a half years ago on our preliminary economic evaluation. I expect with the inflation, the way it's jumping up today, and the higher costs for labor and uh, concrete and all of those things, we could be closer to 130, 140 million. But that's still very doable for a, a junior company. Don't forget, we'll produce 110 million pounds because we're, our plant's designed to produce 50,000 tons of metal a year, mm -hmm. which equates to about 110 million pounds. And if our cost is uh, 60 cents versus a dollar 60, mm -hmm. uh, you can see that it's not much over a year. Yeah, you can you can do the math. Uh, my engineer yeah. is telling me we only have uh, less than a minute, about a minute left. Chen, do you have another question for Larry? Yes, hi Larry. Do you uh, looking for any strategic partners? Uh, you know, any like other major manufacturer looking to partner with you to build a mine? Well, we've been talking to quite a few different groups about that, and. Uh, because of the uh, the size of the project, we would not want to give away more than 20 or 25 percent, unless a major partner came in and said, "Look, this thing should be going in at 200,000 tons a year." Then certainly we'd be looking at giving out a greater percentage, because that would mean still mean more pounds for us for the company's uh, bottom line. Mm -hmm. Well, it certainly sounds like an exciting project, Larry. We will want to keep up with you and your progress there. Uh, certainly when the economics come out in a more formal sense, that will, that will give the market some confidence. It certainly seems to me that if things work out as well as you're suggesting, they, they should work out. And we never know until actually you're in production that uh, this company, we didn't mention your share price, and uh, you do have approximately 87 million shares outstanding, I think trading around 50, 55 cents somewhere along there, Larry. Yeah. On a fully diluted basis, there's 137 million shares outstanding, mm -hmm. and uh, we're trading around 54, 55, the, uh, which gives us a market cap of around 72 million. 
72 million. Well, people can start to do put the pencil to the paper uh, with some of the preliminary numbers that Larry mentioned here and get a sense of what kind of annual cash flows might might be coming from this company. And, of course, uh, we'll try to keep you up to date on this story as it moves forward. Folks, that's all the time we have right now for this segment. We're going to be right back, though, with Vincent Bugliosi, and he's going to talk about the prosecution of George W. Bush for murder. Don't go away. We'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Merrick's Gold, with over 800 square kilometers of contiguous permits in West Mali, Africa. Merrick's and exploration partner IM Gold have spent $16 million on the advanced stage Surabaya Gold Project in Mali. 40,000 meters of diamond and reverse circulation drilling currently underway to expand Merrick's indicated resource and to determine the true size of the Surabaya Gold deposit. Exploration also continues on the huge gold anomaly at Zone Bambadinka, as well as the major gold system on the Babara and Kofia permits. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to an underlying problem. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theories to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to quadruple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights call 718-457-1426 or visit miningstocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters Rypatch Gold Corp. is an exploration company seeking to build a sizable inventory of gold and silver resource assets in mining-friendly Nevada, the world's fourth richest gold region. This well-funded company now has 1.2 million ounces of gold and gold equivalent in the measured and indicated category, plus 2.7 million ounces of gold and gold equivalent in the inferred category, with ongoing drilling to achieve a goal of 10 million ounces of gold. For more info on RPM, please visit our website at W www.rypatchgold.com Legend Gold Corp. is a gold exploration company with flagship projects in Mali, West Africa. With successful drilling programs and new discoveries this year, we are in an excellent position to advance our two gold deposits. Shareholder value is anchored at Chukamala by a 43-101 compliant resource of approximately 600,000 ounces of gold. The recent addition of the Munina project offers the potential for a third gold strike. Legend Gold trades under the symbol LGN on the TSX Venture Exchange. Please go to our website at www. W.legendgold.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am pleased to have with me for a second time Vincent Buglosi. 
He was with me previously to discuss his most recent book, namely Divinity of Doubt. And after I reviewed that book and, and talked with uh, Mr. Bugliosi, I was reminded of another book he had previously written in 2008 titled The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. I want to talk to uh, Vincent today uh, to get a general view of his book on George Bush. Uh, he has graciously agreed to take a few minutes of his very valuable time uh, today, Labor Day no less, uh, to pre-record this interview. Uh, I won't bother to read his biography because uh, we are short on time. His bio is on our Voice America website, but for those of you who might not be familiar with this highly accomplished prosecuting attorney who put away Charles Manson and who has written quite a few very interesting and informative books on a variety of topics, I would suggest you check out his work in more detail. Welcome again, Mr. Bugliosi, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Well, happy to be back on the show, Jay. Really good to have you. You were successful in putting away Charles Manson, a killer and hippie cultist during the late right. 1960s. Manson became an icon of evil for the brutal murders of, that he committed. Right. Many would say that Manson had the look of evil, given his unkempt appearance and his lifestyle as a drug-addicted hippie. But now you have written a book advocating the prosecution of George W. Bush for murder. Inside the covers of both of both the front and back covers, you have pictured some 224 servicemen who have been killed uh, in the line of duty in Iraq. The victims, if you will, perhaps some of the victims of this of this war. Uh, I'm sure most people do not think of Ivy League preppy-looking George W. Bush as a serial killer, but would not begin to think of him as a criminal of any kind. Mm-hmm. Writing a book like this requires, in my view, a considerable amount of bravery. But you are also a very bright and logical thinker. Can you summarize for our listeners the evidence you gathered that prompted you to advocate the prosecution of George W. Bush for murder? Okay, Jay. Well, <clears throat> I have evidence that uh, proves beyond a reasonable doubt that George Bush took this nation to war in Iraq on a lie, under false pretenses, and therefore, under the law, Jay, uh, he's guilty of murder for the deaths of over 4,500 young American soldiers who mm-hmm. have died in the Iraqi war. Uh, it's not my war or your war or America's war. It was George Bush's war and still going on, in fact. If this case ever goes to trial, and I'm very serious about this. This wasn't just a book that I wrote. I'm mm-hmm. trying to take this case to trial. Many legal issues uh, would be involved, but the main overriding issue by far, Jay, mm-hmm. is whether or not George Bush acted in self-defense as he claimed, you know, uh, Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, making him an imminent threat to security of this country, so therefore we have to strike first uh, uh, in self-defense. Mm-hmm. Let me give you, uh, in the brief time we have, just some of the evidence uh, against George Bush, um, uh, much of which I did mention when I testified before the House Judiciary Committee uh, in July of 2008. I have documentary evidence, Jay, that when... George Bush told the nation on the evening of October the 7th, 2002, from Cincinnati, Ohio, the first date that he spoke to the nation on the uh, upcoming uh, uh, Iraqi war, that uh, when he said that Hussein was an imminent threat to the security of this country in Cincinnati, he was telling millions of unsuspecting Americans the exact opposite of what his own CIA had told him Mm. just six days earlier in a classified report national intelligence estimate of October the 1st, 2002, that Hussein was not an imminent threat. Sixteen U.S. intelligence agencies formed that conclusion, but it gets even worse than this. On October the 4th, three days later, the Bush administration put out an unclassified summary version of the classified report so they could give it to Congress and the American people. And this unclassified version, Jay, if you remember, was called the White Paper. Mm-hmm. And in this White Paper, the conclusion of U.S. intelligence that Hussein was not an imminent threat to the security of this country was completely deleted. Mm-hmm. So Congress and the American people never saw any of this. Mm-hmm. And since we are talking here, Jay, <clears throat> about a matter of war and peace with the safety and lives of millions of human beings at that time, hanging in the balance, and with Congress about to vote in just one week, October the 11th, on whether or not it should authorize George Bush to go to war in Iraq, what could possibly be worse, I told Congress, Mm -hmm. and I repeat, what could possibly be worse and more criminal 
than the Bush administration deliberately keeping this all-important conclusion from Congress to the American people. I'll give you one other piece of evidence because it deals with evidence coming right out of George Bush's mouth. On January the 31st, 2003, now this is less than two months before Bush went to war in Iraq. He had a two-hour meeting in the Oval Office with British Prime Minister Tony Blair and six of their top aides, including Bush's uh, National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice and Blair's Chief Foreign Policy Advisor David Manning, in a five-page memo stamped, quote, extremely sensitive, unquote, that um, summarized the discussion at the meeting, Manning wrote that Bush was so worried about the failure of UN inspectors to find hard evidence against Hussein that unbelievably he talked about three possible ways Manning wrote to, quote, provoke a confrontation with Hussein, unquote, mm. one of which Bush said was to, quote, fly U-2 reconnaissance aircraft over Iraq, falsely painted in U.N. colors, unquote, and Bush went on to say that if Saddam uh, fired on them, uh, he would be in breach of U.N. resolutions, and that would justify war. So here we have, Jay, uh, George Bush telling the American people that Hussein is an imminent threat to the security of this country, so we have to strike first, and that we are being forced into war. But behind closed doors, this uh, outrageous human being was talking about how to provoke Hussein mm -hmm. into a war. Mm -hmm. The very essence of self-defense, Jay, is mm -hmm. that someone is about to kill you, so you strike first to save your own life. Mm -hmm. The last person in the world someone acting in self-defense would try to provoke is a person he, he's in deathly fear of. I mean, the person right. is about to kill him. Right. If Bush actually felt that Hussein was an imminent threat to the security of this country, uh, the thought of provoking Hussein into doing something that would justify going to war against him obviously would never have entered Bush's mind. Those are two of the strongest pieces of evidence. Mm -hmm. There's many, many more. Well, there certainly are, and there was certainly the, the Valerie Plame uh, case, which you talk about in the book, uh, many other things as well. Oh, yeah. That I, I think that uh, obviously people need to pick up the book and read it. But, you know, um, we entered this war uh, 2003, eight years ago or so. Right. Why should Americans care about this issue now when they have so many economic press uh, problems here at home to care about? Well, I think we can do, do two things at the same time. Uh, right now, the, the, uh, the administration of Obama is doing all types of things, trying to do all types of things. So you don't just have to focus in on one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is this thing called justice uh, in America, Jay. Uh, mm -hmm. If indeed, if indeed, let's underline the word if, if indeed uh, Bush is guilty, as I say, of murder, obviously we have no choice, no alternative. He has to be prosecuted. The fact mm -hmm. he is a former president does not immunize him. Um, he only had temporary immunity while he was president. Once he left office, he very definitely can be prosecuted. Article 1, Section 3 of the United States Constitution provides this. In fact, goes uh, all the way back to uh, the Federalist Papers, 1787, uh, Alexander Hamilton. Now, since thousands of American soldiers were killed in the Iraqi war, and if this was not self-defense, these killings then were, were, were murdered. And they're in their cold graves right now as I'm talking to you. And if, if all this is true, what I'm saying, then if justice ever demanded that someone be prosecuted, obviously uh, it's George Bush. But I, I think there are other reasons why a prosecution of Bush, uh, other than the main one, to bring about justice is so important to America. Uh, if we want... America, Jay, to one day be the great nation it once was, mm -hmm. and, uh, widely you know, respected around the world. Mm -hmm. We can hardly do this if we don't take the first step of bringing those responsible for the war in Iraq uh, uh, to justice. Polls showed that for the first time ever, when we invaded Iraq, the majority of people around the world had a negative feeling about the United States of America. Mm -hmm. uh, also, uh, if we want to deter future presidents from taking this nation to another war under false pretenses, one in which uh, our children uh, or their children could die in, I don't think anything could be more of a deterrent um, if these future presidents knew what happened to George Bush. Uh, I, I want to make, make one point very, very clear. In my prosecutorial career and in writing true crime books, credibility means everything to me. And I can give you a 100% guarantee that if a Democratic president had done what I say George Bush did, I would be urging the same identical thing uh, uh, in my book. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt about that. 
You wrote a book, of course, the one we're talking about, Advocating the Prosecution of George W. Bush, but I haven't heard, and you wrote that in 2008, but I haven't right. really heard too much else or anybody else talking about this. Is is this going anywhere? Um, I, I can't speak too explicitly, but I can tell you this, that I'm dead serious about this. Uh, this is not just a theoretical thing. I've established <laughs> jurisdiction, all types of things. And I can tell you that I am making progress. I am making progress. Uh, I have, have no firm commitment, and I don't want to be uh, quoted as saying I do have a firm commitment, but mm -hmm. I, I am definitely making progress on the issue of bringing George Bush to justice. What I can tell you, uh, if it happens, it will be happening in a, uh, a local court in the United States. So the, the ICC, International Criminal Court, has no jurisdiction over this for various mm -hmm. reasons, which we're not going to have time to get into right now. Mm -hmm. But it will be a prosecution uh, at a local level. It's not going to happen federally. It could happen federally, but Obama has already indicated that he does not want to look backwards. He wants to look forward. But uh, what he talks when he talks about looking backwards, well, I, I call that justice. I mean, every criminal prosecution, uh, by definition, uh, is of a past uh, crime. I mean, you can't sure. prosecute someone for what they might do in the future. Sure. So he has said at the very beginning of his administration, uh, when he was asked, are you uh, willing to go back and look at the evidence to see if Bush did anything wrong and prosecute him, he said, uh, I don't want to look backwards. But what he calls looking backwards, uh, uh, I call justice. So there's not going to be any federal prosecution. If there's a prosecution, let's underline the word if, mm -hmm. it'll be at a local level, uh, a state uh, murder statute. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, it really is. It really is interesting. More than interesting, I think this is, uh, you know, an issue. Uh, if we are a rule, a country ruled by law, then obviously, uh, you know, nobody is above the law. It doesn't matter what their status is in, in life. At least that's the way it used to be in the United States. I fear <laughs> we may be losing that. Yes. I understand. At least I heard a rumor that there may be a movie made on from this book. Is that well, possible? Uh, yes. Uh, in, in fact, Wednesday I'll be back in the studio again. Uh, we're doing a documentary for the big screen based on my book, The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. Uh, the title of the documentary will be just be The Prosecution of George W. Bush, and then it'll, it'll say beneath it, based on the book, uh, The Prosecution of Bush for uh, Murder. I would say it's about 99% complete right now. Uh, we're okay. really nearing the end. It'll be going into mm -hmm. post-production. So hopefully we'll have it on the big screen uh, in about a half a year from now. Well, we're um, about a half a year from now. Okay, well, we'll look forward to that, of course. And uh, and how can people follow your work and maybe follow this this situation or or just in general? Is there a website well, or is there? You know, I really don't know, know that I'm still in the 19th century with a yellow pad and pencil. <laughs> I don't even have a computer. But uh, I, apparently, uh, the, the Bush book, which was blacked out by the American media, although it became a New York Times. Uh, bestseller. Apparently, there's a website out there somewhere on it. Just say Vincent Bugliosi, prosecution of George W. Bush for murder. You had me on the show for uh, yes. uh, the divinity of doubt, the God question, uh, mm -hmm. agnostic, mm -hmm. take on theism and atheism in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, there's apparently a uh, website for that out there. But I've got quite a few books. You know, Helter Skelter was sure. my original big book, and then I wrote. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, book on the Kennedy assassination, Reclaiming History, with, mm -hmm. which Tom Hanks and his people are doing a multi-hour uh, miniseries on for HBO mm -hmm. for the 50th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination in mm -hmm. 2003. And then I wrote a book, big book on uh, uh, O.J. Simpson, his trial, Outrage, the five reasons why O.J. Simpson got away with murder. So I guess that's all out there on the Internet. I, yeah. I can't direct you uh, specifically, but uh, you folks know how to find things on the Internet. We'll certainly be watching uh, your progress on various fronts uh, for this show, no doubt about that. I think it's fair to say, well, you know, what you were just telling me really raises an issue in my mind. We don't have time to go into this right now, but probably our next guest that's coming on will have some thoughts. You know, why it seems as though George Bush was intent on going to war, one way or another. If he couldn't find the weapons of mass destruction, he had to concoct another reason uh, to go to war. And uh, and this is a mystery to me. What is going on behind the scenes? Why is this man so intent? And is there a larger, bigger group of people that might want to see us perpetually at war, which we seem to be almost. We always have wars going on everywhere. Yeah. Well, so these are these are questions that I uh, would love to chat with you if we had more time. Yeah. I do do respect your time. You are yeah. an extremely busy man. Yeah. I want to thank you very much for sacrificing your time to be with us. Oh, no, no, no. It was my honor to be on the show. Well, it's really great to have you again. 
So I uh, hope we can talk to you again sometime in the not-too-distant future. Thank you I so much. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back with Argentine economist Adrian Salbucci, who I'm sure will have some things to say about what uh, Mr. Bugliosi just told us. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Legend Gold Corp. is a gold exploration company with flagship projects in Mali, West Africa. With successful drilling programs and new discoveries this year, we are in an excellent position to advance our two gold deposits. Shareholder value is anchored at Chukamala by a 43-101 compliant resource of approximately 600,000 ounces of gold. The recent addition of the Munina project offers the potential for a third gold strike. Legend Gold trades under the symbol LGN on the TSX Venture Exchange. Please go to our website at www. Legendgold.com. Merrick's Gold, with over 800 square kilometers of contiguous permits in West Mali, Africa. Merrick's and exploration partner IM Gold have spent $16 million on the advanced stage Surabaya Gold Project in Mali. 40,000 meters of diamond and reverse circulation drilling currently underway to expand Merrick's indicated resource and to determine the true size of the Surabaya Gold deposit. Exploration also continues on the huge gold anomaly at Zone Bambadinka, as well as the major gold system on the Babara and Kofia permits. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to an underlying problem. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theories to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to quadruple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit miningstocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Romeo's Gold offers unprecedented opportunities in the final frontier of British Columbia's Golden Triangle, a copper gold rich region with improving infrastructure. Romeo's properties are located in the vicinity of multi billion dollar deposits. With its $6 million plus drilling program underway, Romeo's Gold is focused on developing world class mineral resources in a major upcoming mining district. 